What's happening? This is Poder Podcast. Your host, Sergio Lagunas. On this podcast, we feature influential and powerful leaders with their own unique stories on art, music, education, and influence. So listen to these stories to find out their source of poder. All right, on today's episode, we have a few guests and we have a whole group talking about what's going on in our community here in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara County. And of course, I would like to have our guests introduce themselves. We have Alejandra. Hello, my name is Alejandra Gutierrez. I was born and raised in Santa Barbara. I've done a lot of community work on the east side of Santa Barbara. I've worked for the school district for about 12 years. I'm now working with a local doctor in town to reduce obesity amongst uh, Latino children on the east side of Santa Barbara, and we're starting a wellness initiative program with STEM students from Santa Barbara City College to also get them exposed to public health and especially for those that want to go into the medical career help them get that experience all right who else do we have in here my name is b molina i've lived most of my life in santa barbara but i worked in sacramento for a number of years under jerry brown i'm the milpas community association i was the president for about four years i've been on that organization for eight years we're an association that deals with the business and community problems of the east side um, anything from, you know, like the f- disasters that we had lately and uh, safety issues, rental housing issues, we can go on. I was also at the Mariachi Festival for 12 years, president for six of those years, um, and I did that for a long time. And then today I also uh, manage a contract called the Adult Education Block Grant where I look for money, uh, training, and school for adults over 50 years old that have to go back to work. All right, we also have someone else. Uh, my name is Diego Figueroa. Um, I was born and raised in Santa Barbara, a recent transfer student from Santa Barbara City College. Um, recently accepted uh, an offer from UC Berkeley. Um, I'm also very passionate about working with the community. You know, being born and raised here on the east side in Santa Barbara, it's just kind of natural to me. And so. You know, getting the opportunity to team up with Alejandra and Dr. Fisher and, you know, be helping out, you know, it's, it's really been amazing, the work that we've been doing um, these past few months and kind of getting the program off the ground again. Um, just the support's been amazing and it's just, it's come, it's come naturally to me. Um, I'm just thankful to be part of the community and uh, helping out. All right, so let's jump into it. So tell us, Alejandra, what is this project that you've been working on? And give us a little bit of the background and how it came to be where it is right now. The program itself to reduce diabetes, obesity rate with children was originally started by Dr. Fisher. He has a dialysis clinic in town, and he's noticed that a lot of his Latino population are coming in with diabetes. And um, he realized that he needed to start educating families with children at the elementary level. I had to start when they were children. My dad was one of his patients. I've known Dr. Fisher for about 30 years. My dad has had three kidney transplants, and he's always shared with my dad um, the passion that he wants to help, especially the Latino population. He's And he's asked me to work with him. Unfortunately, when he wanted to launch this program, I 
didn't really want to help him, not because I didn't believe in his mission. I just wanted little to do with anything in the medical field because of my dad's illness really impacted my life. And I wasn't ready to talk about that experience. You know, working in the education field, mentoring a lot of um, local Latino first-generation college students, I've really encouraged them to take on the possibility of going into those careers that are very challenging, like, you know, the science, the medical field. And Diego was a student I met while I was at Santa Barbara High School in the College and Career Center. And now that he's in college, I've mentored him for a couple years, and his passion has always been going into the medical field. And one day he, we had a one-on-one conversation, and he was second-guessing um, not going into the field because he really didn't have exposure to to a doctor you know he's the first one to go to college his brother went as well but to actually go into that rigorous um, career field if you don't you know if you don't have a strong supporting network or anybody that you can relate in that field it's difficult it's difficult to see kind of like that end goal and having gone through the education system here in Santa Barbara being raised here as well I can relate to his challenges and I I remember that Dr. Fisher had a strong passion to help the Latino population, so I reached out to him to see if he would sit down and talk to Diego, and at the end of the conversation, he offered Diego his mentorship. Seeing Diego's reaction to Dr. Fisher's willingness to guide him through this his career and seeing how his face light up, it just hit me. I said, we need to start this program, and we need to get you know, these STEM students from City College, local students, first generation, or anybody that wants to go into the medical field but has that barrier of not knowing how to get there, getting them involved in this program. So it'll be a a win-win situation. We get local students in college mentoring children, you know, educating the families that are part of this community. And at the same time, we, we reduce you know, the obesity weight. There's an, ep- ep- an epidemic here in Santa Barbara County, basically Cottage Hospital told the county, we have a problem. Every Latino that's coming into our through our doors have diabetes. Like there has to be something done. And there's programs and resources in place in the, in the city, but what where they're lacking is that connection to the population. And that's where we come in. We have that relationship with the families. Diego is, is a tutor here at Franklin. I've worked in the Eastside community again for 12 years. I was, I came to Franklin. My family grew up here in the Eastside, so we have that connection with the families. We just have to bridge them to the resources. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to bring the resources to the community. All right, Diego, tell us some more about this experience and how do you feel about having Alejandra as your mentor? What is that experience like as a first-generation student traveling to the north north side of California and yeah. trying to experience that as a, for the first time as a student in the UC system? Definitely. Um, so I met Alejandra in high school. I was, wasn't was really sure what I wanted to do, and so I kind of jumped into City College and started getting my feet wet in a different field. And so um, I took, you know, chemistry class, anatomy, I uh, had a personal injury experience that kind of exposed me in the medical field a little bit, and so that's kind of like, it kind of guided me. And then um, I, uh, this past summer, I attended a uh, pre-med, pre-dental uh, summer program at UCLA Medical School, and 
they talked a lot about healthcare disparities and, you know, barriers that certain demographics face. And, you know, one of them, of course, was, you know, Latinos. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of resonated with me. And then, you know, we were assigned to come up with a, you know, hypothetical project to address a certain disparity among a specific demographic, you know, how you're going to overcome that. And the entire time I had in mind, you know, the, you know, Latino community right here on the east side because I live, you know, two blocks away, you know, I went to Franklin. Um, and so when I came back, um, I immediately contacted Alejandra because I had been a tutor here for three years at that time. And, uh, and I contacted her. I'm like, dude, like we have to do something. And she's like, Diego, like, that's amazing that you're reaching out to right now. Cause you know, we actually have, you know, the neighborhood clinic coming of Franklin and I'm like, that's amazing. And then, you know, over the next couple of weeks, I kind of talked to her after having this experience. And I was like, I don't know, like I, 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 I need some sort of connection into the field. Um, and so she's like, you know what, don't worry about it. Like I know someone. And so, we had this meeting with Dr. Fisher, and like she said, it was an amazing experience. Um, he just came across as a very genuine, caring physician, obviously very intelligent and very well respected. And, you know, when he offered me his mentorship at the end of the meeting, like I didn't even know what to say. Um, it was amazing, but um, it's been a great experience. Public health definitely is, it's been a little bit more there's been more light shed on it recently, which is important because, you know, the diversity in the United States is changing very rapidly. And so these public health issues definitely have more of an impact now than they ever did. Um, but just working with Dr. Fisher and Alejandra and having their guidance really kind of brought out some sort of leadership in me that just, I never really exercised. Um, and it's been amazing, uh, great learning experience, you know, very professional, um, Science, you know, science-based data backed up our claim, you know, we're just plugging away at this project. And so hopefully we can get this thing established this summer and into the next school year. And so, you know, when I'm away, I can just kind of chime in and see how things are going. And uh, hopefully, you know, still advise on like an advisory board. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, continuing to work with Alejandro and Dr. Fisher and the volunteers from City College. But, um, I definitely want to take this everywhere I go because it's just, it's about people. All right, so we have B. Molina also touching in on the topic and why the focus of Alejandra and Diego's program is focused solely on diabetes and leading up to also addressing the obesity issue here specifically in this area. Please let us know more information about why this focus is so strongly uh, narrowed down to these two. Well, there's several ways of addressing that issue, okay? So diabetes is the fundamental, but the, the, the problem right now is obesity because obesity in youth is going to create all kinds of other health issues. But it stems back from um, what causes diabetes in our community. So the, the leading, di the leading di uh, disease in our community today is diabetes in the Latino community. And isn't that interesting that the numbers are so high in the low income or the economic deprived, underprivileged families because their diets and their habits are based on their income. So 
it's cheaper to buy fast food. It's cheaper to buy junk than to have healthy food sometimes or the lack of education. But what's for me, what's what's a trigger is that this is not generational. This is now going on a second generation. It didn't it's not this problem. We've had this problem in our community and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. So you're seeing more people. We've we have programs and um, education outreach for the adults. I haven't seen that many for the children. But even the outreach program to educate our community, it, in my opinion, it's been very short-sighted because it's not based on the kind of people that are accepted by the community who can talk to our community in their language. We understand their diet. We understand their cultural norms. It's, 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 you know, not to put down a, a nurse coming into our community to educate, but it is not the same thing. And the messages are never carried across appropriately. So, and that's kind of been the message carrier in the past. And there are other programs now. Um, uh, Sansom Clinic is doing Mil, um, Mil, familias. Mil Familias. That's kind of based on something like this, but not exactly the same. Um, because the problem is so bad. Now, let's turn that around. The highest incident of ER visits today is Latinos who have limited insurance or no insurance. The types of incidents that are going into the ER are either heart attacks or other problems that probably would have been traced way back to diabetes and their diet or their diet. The lack of not paying attention to it, not changing it. Okay, so the state is freaking out. The insurance industry is freaking out because all the money Medi-Cal, Medicare goes, a big percentage goes to ER. If we can educate this community so that there's less visits to ER, for example, that there's more preventive educational focus so the family can change their, their habits, their norms, not shop at McDonald's every day. But, you know, those kinds of things, it'll change. Now, if we have a generation of young Latinos who are obese in grammar school, what are we going to have in high school, these same kids? Are they going to function mentally and emotionally as well as somebody whose body is in better control? No, it is not. Now, take it another generation. Are they going to be able to function in the community with their family and their work? as well as somebody who has a diet and has been taking care of their body for all that time. No, they are not. And isn't that what's happening today? Yes, that's part of what's happening today. So you got it. It's kind of integrated into a number of issues. Diabetes for me, the diet, the control. And and let me go take another place, another another direction. Let's educate the kids so they can go home and say, Mom, really, we're going to eat this today? And then at the same time, there's other programs educating the parents. So we have this funnel of, of, of a program to try to help this community that may work, that could work. Plus, what I'm excited about Alejandra's program is that she already has the trust of this community. I've worked in this community for eight years. I was raised in this community. And it's hard to win the support and the trust of the Latino community because of everything that's happened in this community. And there's been a lot of negative things that have happened. A lot of promises made that were never kept and a lot of bad, bad treatment. So when you have a group, an organization that they can trust, 
you're going to see change where the clinics have not been able to do it, where the county health has not been able to do it. Public health is under a lot of pressure to do changes. But are they hiring Latino outreach workers? No. Are they hiring Latino uh, bilingual nurses culturally? No. So until all of those systematic changes happen, this is the answer because it's not happening here. Touching on what her last comment about, you know, hiring bilingual biculture staff, outreaching or in, you know, nurses or doctors, part of it is that there isn't a pool of candidates to apply for these jobs. You know, a lot of Latinos are not becoming doctors or scientists. And I think it it, also, it has to do not because they are not capable. I think it's that lack of mentorship, somebody to guide them. That's why when I met Diego and when he told me about his experience at UCLA and then in the last two years here at my job, I'm dealing with a lot of families that don't have medical insurance and a lot of families don't get the best treatment, the medical treatment, because of that lack of insurance. Lack I, of language. The lack of language, because they don't know the resources out there. A lot of people leave the hospital um, with wounds still that need to be, you know, treated. But because of the lack of information, they don't know that actually a nurse can come to your house. You can request that from the doctor. Like, I don't have anybody that can help me at the house and there's resources out there. And I think by mentoring, guiding them, giving these pre-med students the opportunity to participate in a program like this will keep them motivated to transfer like Diego to Berkeley and continue with their dreams of becoming a doctor because we need more doctors and nurses that that can connect with their patients. Very true. Diego, what do you think about this? And tell us more about what, since the focus is on the mentorship project uh, part of it, how do you see this expanding or what do you visualize for future doctors and nurses and medical professionals? Definitely. Uh, well, I think Alejandra and B mentioned, uh, you know, these obvious uh, healthcare barriers, you know, uh, language barriers, lack of trust, you know, uh, socioeconomic barriers. Um, that definitely exist um, in our community and you end up having people that visit the emergency room for they, they see it as kind of like a primary care doctor visit but it's you know it ends up being a lot more expensive no, not only for them because the situation may be so that they need a you know invasive procedure but also for the community as a whole because those tertiary care costs are a lot more expensive than a preventative approach as you know education and exercise you know would be but um in terms of mentorship i definitely have gained a lot from just talking to dr fisher and being around uh physicians you know uh, dr bordovsky's uh, offer you know his support and uh you know a uh, current uh, medical student uh henry valora has also you know helped me with the whole application process of med school and figuring out that part. But I think it's really, I think it's really important for students at City College that are thinking about going into the medical field to be exposed to this because at the end of the day, it's a learning experience for them. And either, you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I, I wanna go to med school, medical school and now I really wanna go to medical school because I've seen the need. And this is something that just makes me passionate, like gets me fired up, you know? And, uh, you know, if not, then it's st- they still gain from it. You know, they can go in a different direction, whether it be public health or nursing or PA school. Um, 
just to find some direction like that for college students such as myself that have gone through that uncertainty. But also I think it's going to be really exciting for the kids here at Franklin to be exposed to the possibility of so many careers and professions, uh, you know, making it exciting for them, exposing them to, you know, for example, like anatomy or, you know, science, you know biology, animals, um, you know, in the STEM field, I think it's, it's exciting because personally I didn't have that experience until I went to college. And so just exposing them to that, I, I think it's going to be huge and hopefully it can grow to that proportion and, you know, we can get more people thinking about a career in medicine because, you know, uh, obviously there's a lack of cultural competency among the healthcare professionals and bridging that gap is really important if you really want to make a, a social change like that because this demographic is definitely growing and uh, it's important that we take care of our community like that. Alejandra, can you give us a little update on what's going on with your program? What is something new, a new accomplishment, or what do you move uh, forward with from now on? So the program just got a $9,000 grant from the Fund of Santa Barbara, and we are actually going to start a nonprofit. So we're going to make the program a lot more structure, and just having that nonprofit will open the doors for more donors to create a... Um, a more stable program so that's hopefully you know our goal is to partner up with City College and being off um, being able to offer to not just STEM students but anybody that maybe wants to go into education it's a good opportunity working with families and children but having a program already established that it's an option like Diego said um, just get them exposed and also for them to give back to the community um, I do want to touch on two points. Um, when B was talking about, you know, the food intake and what kind of food, you know, low-income Latinos buy, I understand that it, it's it's hard to change our eating habits, especially um, coming from the Latino culture. We have, you know, a lot of the food that we we, you know, we're used to are a lot of carbs. We're high in carbs, um, but I think this program is very unique because I my family had it change because my dad had no choice so the whole family had to change our eating habits and it was hard it was very hard you know we a lot of family members would kind of tease us uh, my parents would stop going to certain family functions just to not be questioned so it really um it was difficult but because my dad was in the situation, I mean, we wanted our father to live longer and um, we had no choice. So for me, I know how difficult it is and I know how gentle that subject is. And I think that having Latino pre-med students that understand um, how important your your eating habits are for your future health, for them to be able to touch, talk to them and and a very cultural, cultural sensitive way is meaningful. So not, I know a lot of people will probably hear like, yeah, we're going to educate families on how to eat healthier. Yeah, that, that is tough, but we're going to try. Another part that I wanted to talk about, this, the education system is very hard for a Latino to navigate because we navigate the education system that was built for, you know, uh, somebody that's white. Let's be very honest. But there are Latino doctors out there. And, and the way to get 
to to that end goal is to meet those Latino doctors or to meet doctors already in place that can be have real conversations with these pre-med students um, and say, this is the way you do it. Yes, it's very hard, but it's not impossible. But just have those real raw conversations with these students. And those that really want to go in those fields are, are going to do what it takes. Very true. <laughs> so... I kind of want to touch on this. Uh, something I like to ask my guests is, tell me briefly about your source of poder. Uh, where does that source of power, inspiration come from to work on programs, to feel passionate about your future career, to feel passionate about the needs of the community? So we'll start with Diego and move our way around. Okay. Um, I, I just feel like it, it, it just kind of, in a way, it kind of bothers me when I hear about disparities or talking down on a certain demographic. Uh, it just kind of gets me fired up, and uh, I just can't help but to just keep grinding, you know, because I know that, uh, you know, we need someone in the community, not just someone, but we need a lot of people in the community to, to you know, shed light on the possibilities in that whatever you set your mind to, you can achieve, and it doesn't matter where you come from. If you want it, you'll get it. And so it's just kind of that inspiration and kind of inspiring others that gets me fired up. And just working with, you know, sick and injured patients just is something so real, you can't fake it. And so that sense of, uh, I don't know, truth just gets me, just gets me excited. Um, and so I, yeah, this program is just a passion of mine and I can't, I can't help it, you know. I've been a, a, a activist for the Latino community for the last 30 years, both here and in Sacramento. And um, I have put a significant effort of my time into this area, and partly because of my family. I come from an immigrant family, except that my parents were actually educated. Uh, but I had um, 13 brothers and sisters. And, you know, to be raised in Santa Barbara with that many kids, we all went to Catholic school. And my dad, instead of having a lot of food and a lot of clothes, made us go to school. So out of my family, there's maybe two that don't have a degree. Everybody had a degree. And it was a lot of sacrifice. I remember not eating sometimes but because it was more important um, to go to school. And my dad demanded it. It wasn't a choice. My dad, even though um, we didn't have a lot of money because there were too many kids, was an activist. And he really taught us the importance of being proud of being a, a Mexican-American. Um, and my feeling, my passion is that as Latinos, we are really wealthy because of the culture that we come from. What, what m motivates me to do what I do is that I see so much of that getting lost. Kids don't understand. Have lost. They lost the ability to speak Spanish. They don't. They don't know what mariachi music is. They don't know what some of our typical. A lot of our foods originally were herbs, were roots, were from the earth, and they were medicinal, not just. And we have lost some of that. You know, the third. Our grandparents still have it, but nobody else does. And so, that to me is wealth. That, and I always tell our Latinos that we have an advantage because we have two cultures and we're able to think across in two cultures and we have two languages. That is, a, that is a wealth that a lot of people do not have. 
But our community doesn't accept that for themselves, and I don't know why. And, and in order to protect ourselves and to go after the services and everything and change the system, we really, as a community, need to come together and take control and take more responsibility for what's happening in our community and in our families. And until we do that, we're always going to get this crap that's coming down, you know, putting us in junk areas, in, in substandard housing, in substandard jobs. I mean, you can go on and on and on. But the root of it is... Um, you know, we really need to build the base of who we are culturally. Um, and until that happens, I think we're not going to get away from some of these problems. And so that's my passion. That was my father's dream, is that we don't lose our culture, we don't use our language. And that is that is my passion, and I have done that for many, many years in many ways. I've fought the political system. I've done the music system to raise money for scholarships. I've done the community activism I'm doing now and trying to help the Latino businesses and trying to help the community with better housing, with better jobs. Um, and I've devoted the last eight years before to helping the Latinos how they how they die. I don't want them in a hospital in a room by themselves. I want them to have the respect and enjoy the culture of their of their passing. And you can only do that when you understand the culture and what's important to them and the familia. And I to me that was a privilege that I was able to do that for so many years to help people go through a horrible part. I lost my parents, and I know exactly. My I went through my mom through hospice, and that's important to our family that we don't lose respect for who we are and our culture. So that's really stems who, why I do what I do. So my source of poder started with um, my parents, and I think I had a huge reality check when. My doctor walked out of Dr. Fisher's office and he lost, you know, both of his kidneys. And to see that my doc, my dad was literally in and out of the hospital and we couldn't do a lot of normal family functions. And I kind of made my mind that I was going to make my dad proud because I didn't know how long he was going to be alive. And to see how much my mom sacrificed for us because she was the only one working. And I think the moment I realized that I had a disadvantage was um, when I went to help my mom clean one of the houses she used to clean in Montecito, and I realized how many more toys and that every child in that room had their own their own room. So it started there, and then once I started working in the education field, I realized that I needed to open doors for the future generation, for future Latinos. I understood that the education system is messed up and that these kids needed somebody like me to be their voices. And at times it got me in trouble because I do work for the district, but it's, it's definitely worth it when you have a student, you know, say, because of you all I got into college or because of you I got this financial aid or mothers. My huge blessing has been mothers that come up to me at random places like at the grocery store like when I'm pumping gas and said like you've been an angel to us and I've the only thing I've been doing is my job 
And I really think that if people in the education field, and I think anywhere, stick to really doing their job because that's what they want to do, not because they're checking a box or because they're waiting for that paycheck, things would be different. And I'm a huge believer that todos podemos poner nuestro granito de arena. Todos estamos vivos en este mundo and we can all make a difference. Thank you for listening to Poder Podcast, the podcast con poder. I am your host, Sergio Lagunas. Music is produced by Brian Navarrete. Please follow us on all social media channels, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, and you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, this is Poder Podcast. Poder Podcast.